podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Strongcast. I'm Mark Boyd. I am here with Mr. Paul Sullivan. How are you, Paul? Hello. We've and got two directions today. Yeah, we do. We do. And up on the big screen, we have Devin Larratt. How are you, Devin? All good? Yeah. Happy to be here with you guys. Love what you guys do out there in Dubai. Uh, huge fan. And uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of everything that uh, Core Sports and Strong Gym is doing in this world. No, it's awesome to have you on. I mean, it, we were just talking. It, it seems like so long ago that we met up in that coffee shop and we literally discussed this whole bringing arm wrestling to Dubai, to the UAE, to the to the international stage, and uh, look yeah. at us now. I know it's like it, it all kind of came true, and and more. I feel like you guys, uh, you guys are absolutely running the show in the arm wrestling world, and that it's had this trickle down effect. It's completely changed our sport. Like uh, a lot of the things that are happening at king of the table just ripple through the entire sport now so yeah it's crazy i mean uh i remember it was so hot that day walking over to the mall and getting to meet you and uh yeah yeah here we are here we are making waves well let's rewind yeah talking about a man who makes waves talk about tell us about devin lara obviously you're you've been a massive influence in the sport it's been your passion but let's bring it all the way back down to how did you get involved? What was your background? Tell us all about you. Uh, well, I mean, I guess when you talk about the strength and combat side of things, I, I just fell in love with the idea of being strong from a super early age. Uh, I think one of the big things for me was was reading, well, not reading, but finding the book Pumping Iron in my parents' um, library. I was probably like four or five years old. Uh, just seeing the pictures and seeing how cool it was to be strong. I totally wanted to be like Arnold, uh, you know, that picture with the girl up on his shoulders and everything. I was like, wow. I'm like, so I was a little, little kid and I'm like, I'm going to be strong. Um, uh, just loved fighting my whole life, different sports, uh, you know, as you and a lot of people know, I was in the military for 20 years. Uh, so I feel like that was kind of the pinnacle of my actual combative, uh, experience for my life. You know, I feel like that was kind of the highest level of, of real life combat that, uh, I was lucky enough to be a part of and survive. And throughout all of it, I have really grasped onto the sport of arm wrestling uh, and I think that I've continued to to grow it and cultivate it and understand what it is throughout my entire life to where now at 47 years of age, I am, uh, yeah, I'm uh, quite an embodiment, I think, of the sport at kind of its its uh, its highest levels. I, I deeply love and respect the sport of arm wrestling and all it has to offer, so yeah, I guess that's the main reason why we're here today. 47 years old and still at the top. Not some achievement. Well, you know, we'll find out. <laughs> the 25th yeah. We'll find out. So what first got you into arm wrestling? Uh, well, it was my grandmother. Um, and she was, uh, the, the legends have it that she was, the the provincial champion of alberta and she was she was a strong woman and she definitely knew kind of how to arm wrestle and yeah i remember being like you know again like five or six years old and it was my reward for doing chores that i got to arm wrestle with her so you know she'd (laughs) tell me to go get apples or you know whatever and bring them back to her and you know she used to bake pies and stuff and so uh, my reward was, uh, you know, I get to go just full out on the arm wrestling table as like a little five-year-old, six-year-old kid with her. So it was incredible. My grandmother's relationship was was really great. She made me apple pie and 
She arm wrestled with me. It was how, are you, how are you stacking up against the get any wins? <laughs> I never beat her. I never ever beat her. And I even arm wrestled her up till I was like even I was probably ten or eleven and I still couldn't beat her. And she was just a little old woman. I couldn't beat her. Um yeah, she she always just bend your wrist more, bend your wrist more. And just she just encouraged me to to just go super hard, which you know, a lot of kids a lot of people really need that in their life just their ability to just you know fight and it was a great exhaust for me uh and you know all through high school it was something i always sought out in public school all the kids did it. i was never the best i was never the best uh in public school i'd say i was middle of the pack with most of the guys uh and then somewhere in high school it started to change somewhere in high school i started to kind of be the strongest uh, of, I started to pass everybody. And when I went out West, after I was done high school, I went and worked oil field and it just so happened that kind of my, my boss, my supervisor was, was this guy called Dion Langell, just an incredible specimen of a human being. Like, uh, to this day, I mean, I have not, I've traveled the world. I haven't met people like him really he's one of those guys just super super rare in his fitness level uh, and he was like 165 pounds just a total wolverine and at that time i was like a 210 pound you know 19 year old like in incredible shape because i you know i've been training like you know just psycho my whole life uh and i couldn't do anything with him at totally blew me away how good this guy was and I could beat basically everybody else and so I, I just followed him around and just convinced him to uh, let me be his punching bag because he was getting ready for international competitions and he kind of got me started in professional arm wrestling and it's obviously it's totally different like uh, when you talk to like people who really know how to arm wrestle it's very different from you know doing it just off the street move back home got in with the club scene and kind of the rest is kind of history but that's kind of my introduction how i got into the sport that's awesome i love how it's it's like a wholesome story that's ingrained in you and, and it's kind of developed your mindset i just think and it's something you wouldn't expect yeah grandmother like yeah no, amazing. yeah it's, it's, a, it's a, yeah. a wholesome story like yeah. and, and it's funny how even as you get older and you just go you go through all these experiences you still remember those days and, and that's what oh, yeah. molded you into the person you are today. And, and it's probably molded you through your military career. I know, I know I've done that for sure. It's, it's still the reason why I do it today. It's still the reason that, uh, you know, the reasons why I like to do it with my grandmother, uh, the reasons why I like to do it with my friends in school, uh, the reasons why I, I wanted to learn from uh, Dion and the guys who were really good at it. These are still the reasons why I'm doing it now. It's uh, it's never changed. It's never uh, it's never gotten ugly for me. I, I love it. Uh, it's it's very simple to me at at its base, and uh, I hope it always stays that way. As it should, as it should. Yeah. Tell us more right. about your military career then. Talk about that. So. Um, I got into the military rather quickly. Uh, I basically, you know, got into the reserves basically like I think it was like the same day. Like I did, I went in, I did all my stuff and it just so happened that there was a, a course that was starting. Actually, it had started two, year, two days prior. So I basically, without any like plan of ever being... I never really planned on being a soldier, never planned on it. Uh, just kind of caught me at um, an interesting time in my life. I was on spring breakup from, uh, from the oil field and uh, I walked past the recruiting office and did the testing and they're like, yeah, you can start right now. So I was like, all right, let's do it. Just, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so I, so I spent like a year or so in the reserves and right away uh, it, it worked out very interesting actually um, so 
our at the time we had this unit called the airborne regiment and the airborne regiment was probably our greatest fighting unit that we had in the canadian forces but that was the period of most people won't know what i'm talking about on here but there was an incident in somalia where the canadian forces was heavily investigated and it led to the disbandment of the airborne regiment um so what happened is that summer when i was doing like my basic training it just worked out that we were incredibly blessed with all of our teachers being guys from the uh, from the airborne regiment because they were all in this holding platoon. They weren't being used. The the army had disbanded them. They didn't know what to do with them. Uh, and so I was really lucky that right away I got to see kind of the best soldiers that the Canadian forces had, and I was really inspired by them. And I just knew that I wanted to be part of whatever they were doing. And a lot of them were talking about, you know, going on to this unit, uh, JTF. Uh, that is now the current kind of jewel in the crown of the Canadian Armed Forces. It's pointy end of the spear. And right away I was like, okay, that's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to get there. So I transferred to the regular forces and I just did everything that I could to, kind of get to that unit uh i did a few things beforehand but most most of them were like honestly most of my time in in the regular forces we did some tour but none of it was really um super high stress or none of it left like um anything super memorable in me like i i like i remember doing sports in the regular army like i i won the iron man that was fun but uh yeah by the time it was uh 2000, uh, 2000, 2001, I, w- I was in the JTF and I spent the remainder of my career there. And that was just awesome. Yeah. Just complete, just completely awesome. And, uh, uh, that's where I wanted to be. Uh, I was really lucky to have been there. Uh, best place you can serve best place. Uh, never really wanted to leave, but, uh, by the end, you know, it's, it was time for me to go, uh, yeah, but I did my twenty, and yeah, good you, times, man. You did how good many times? I'm lucky. Did... I'm lucky. I made it. You know, I'm lucky. Lucky yeah. I'm still here. You got to those. You did how many tours of Afghanistan? Uh, I, just, I think, I think it was seven. Uh, some of them were shorter, like some of them were just quick, quicker missions. But uh, there were certainly some some good tours there. Uh, not uh, every tour is the same, like. Um, you know, some tours are, are pretty, pretty chill. Uh, and then some tours are, you know, they're pretty stressful. Yes. Uh, did, a, did a few stressful ones, uh, but they weren't all like that. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's strange to talk about that time because, you know, it's so complicated, you know, and, you know, you hesitate to give people the wrong impression about anything that goes on. It's um, war is very complicated. And uh, I was really honored still am to have been a part of it. Uh, But I realize more than ever how complicated and messy these things are. And, you know, I wouldn't want to over glorify it to, to anybody who is listening. Yeah. I think in the movies nowadays, especially, yeah. it is glorified. Um, obviously, being ex-military myself, like I'm, I'm glad I'm out. I'm glad I'm not a pawn. I'm glad I'm not a number on on the books, and and I'm on the other side as as a civilian. A pawn, yeah. um, I tell you what, what we can glorify though is the fact that you've had this professional arm wrestling career in amongst all of that in amongst the tours, yeah. the away from home, the train, like everything that you've put into it and become world champion, the legend of the sport, etc. You've done that whilst serving a country for 20 years. That's pretty incredible. A lot of times that was how I stayed sane, I think. You know, uh, um, you know I remember on all the tours, one of the things that I kind of held on to throughout all of them were when I get back, I'm going to have 
this match or you know i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go to this event and i would train like i mean i would train hard throughout the tour when i had chances you know um um yeah it uh it was a bit to balance and there's a big difference between um being part-time and full-time big difference you know uh now in two you know so 2016 17 i got out and now i'm like completely full-time right like i don't like arm wrestling is 100 percent my job but um you know back then it was split um it's it's interesting how much focus really is like the key to success in life i think um you know, I, I think if you invest hard into anything, you're just going to surpass people. Yeah. You're just going to surpass people. And, uh, you know, even at 47, like, so I'd say like the last couple years, like my gains in these years are probably the highest gains that I've ever had throughout my entire career. Even when I was a young man, like when, you know, I was in my 20s and, and early 30s. And, and really, it shouldn't be like that. Uh, but I, I know that so much of it has to do with the amount of time and energy and focus that I can put into this just being my singular project. Yeah, it comes back to those the balance of the scales. Everyone, everyone always talks about balance, and let's just say they're the normal people. At the end of the day, champions don't balance things. The uh, no, <laughs> like you, you've got no. a family. You had a career in the military, and and now obviously you still have your family and whatnot around you. But now you can fully invest your time and let's say tipple the scales to one side and really push well you are tippling, than you before. are tippling the scales as well right the, uh, <laughs> where's, where's the weight at <laughs> you know it's weird my weight is uh i'm floating right now uh i can get my the the, the heaviest that i've woken up is around 280 but it doesn't stay there. Like I'm between right now. I'm between like 274 and and 280. I wake up, uh, and it. I haven't really consistently gotten my weight to stay 280 yet. I haven't got there. I might do like one day. I'll hit 280, but uh, normally I'm about 277 in the morning. But I I know that my body composition is leaner than it was uh even even a year ago like when i faced michael like when i first like really committing to the super heavyweight division uh it's it's hard it's hard especially when you're older it's hard to put on weight um your digestion isn't what it was when you were younger um and also I just, all I do, like, I don't do a single, I don't do a single squat. I don't do a single deadlift, not a bench press. Every single thing that I do is specifically for arm wrestling. And it's only right hand. I don't train my left at all. I arm wrestle with my left for fun, but not a single bit of homework. So everything is right hand. Everything is arm wrestling specific. So the weight, you know... It's it's not the most important thing. Uh, I wish it was heavier, but I think now we'll is the see. right time for me to step in with I think the most important question your fans will want to know: How many pancakes are you eating a day at the moment? Oh my god! I, <laughs> I you know when I was when I was getting ready for Michael, people thought it was a big joke the whole pancake thing, but it actually wasn't. When I was getting ready for Michael, I I was eating pancakes every single day and people were like oh the pancake diet yeah well it's <laughs> it's true yeah. but it's also true that i was legit eating pancakes every day but you know um <laughs> i think it's probably somewhat common knowledge that i had massive digestive problems before <laughs> it, michael it like fired <laughs> i destroyed my guts destroyed them um by the time i pulled michael my guts were not happy with me so i i have laid a little bit off the pancakes this time i'm more of a like rice kind of base guy like rice and oh, meat i'm trying boring, to be a little boring. bit more sensible but <laughs> the vertical diet though 
But I don't say no to pancakes. <laughs> Somebody cooked me pancakes. I'm pretty happy. Yeah. So so moving on, uh, back to the, the sport of arm wrestling. How has it progressed over the years? Obviously, you've been in it for a fair amount of time. Um, well, I'd say that there, there's a few really significant things that I've seen over my career. Uh, one of the things that I'd say is... Uh, I, I genuinely think that the sport has elevated. So what I mean by that is uh, there's so much video out there. There's so much for people who start to take a liking to arm wrestling to study and learn from, uh, whether it's people posting exercise videos, discussions on technique, or just a ton of matches to watch how professionals actually move and arm wrestle. Uh, that I feel like now when I go to clubs, the level is just consistently higher. Um, and I also feel like the, the upper end of the sport is a lot higher as well. Uh, I think that the opportunity for people to invest more time in the sport and not have it really hurt them, like have their wives and families be super pissed at them because they are receiving some form of compensation is higher. So I think that, you know, even at the highest levels, people are investing more. And I don't think we've ever seen champions in the sport like we do today. I think that the level is higher. I also think that um, we have more fans and that's a huge positive for our sport. I think that the sport of arm wrestling has a genuine following not just by friends and family and uh, arm wrestlers themselves, but people who are genuinely interested in our sport and think it's cool. So this is a huge plus for us. Yeah, it's definitely going. Where, where do you think it can get to? Do you think, like, how mainstream do you think it can get? Like, where, where do you think you can see it in another five or ten years' time? And how do we go there? And, yeah, and how? Well, I think that there's a lot of things that need to keep going and i don't think that there's any singular answer and i think that there's a lot of people bringing wood to the fire and it's all helping i think that on the professional level um you know we continue to have exciting matches that are so cool that people want to share them with with their friends with their families with the groups that they associate with so um, by, you know, the professional top end side of the world, just continuing to put out really good content, I think it's just going to keep on bringing eyeballs towards us. So that's one thing. Um, I think that, uh, all the federations, all of them, all the ones that are continuing to promote arm wrestling on the grassroots levels, they're of massive importance, um, and their success is, is, is vital to the sport's success. You know, uh, the amateur side of the house needs to continue to grow. There's a huge appetite for arm wrestling tournaments. You know, everywhere I go, all the clubs I go to, people are like, when's the next tournament? People want to compete. People want to get out there. Um, I think at some point, uh, there will be media projects that will give us like boosts, like uh, there's movies being filmed, which will give us, you know, solid bumps. Uh, there's series that are in the works uh, with major promotions that will, again, give us even more of a boost into the mainstream. Uh, there's the Olympic dream, which is a constant thing that's always looming that is inevitable. It's inevitable. At some point, somebody will latch onto the project and they'll make it happen. And arm wrestling will become an Olympic sport, whether it's just for one or three or whether it's a staple. But we all know that arm wrestling should have a home at any, you know, well, at the Olympics. It should, of course. Uh, so that's that's inevitable. Um, government recognition, government support, uh and perhaps at this point, a very important piece is just all the athletes continuing to produce content themselves 
and to give their fans what they what they want so they can follow along and be part of the action let's just say it's heading in the right direction and and i'm definitely yeah. going to be taking notes from what you've said it certainly and, is uh, doing my best to implement what i can from my side i so. seen you training a bit yesterday yeah i was i was uh, getting ready it know. didn't look like you knew what you were doing but you were doing <laughs> something are you crossing over mark yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah crouching yeah. over and he was just he was only doing bicep curls with his right hand <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, did you take it personally when i when i told john brzink that he couldn't even beat you left-handed no no not at all when when, when was that <laughs> <laughs> yeah somebody sent me a clip of that and uh they they focused in on your eyes and uh the way you were looking at me i'm like oh no did i piss mark off when i said that <laughs> no he no, just no, has no. them eyes i just, just look pissed <laughs> off <laughs> most of the time he's scottish yeah. it's yeah, natural yeah, yeah. That's... offending all the yeah. <laughs> but I, I think we're doing really really well i mean when you look at the trajectory when you look at the guys who are doing really well like there's a number of people who who are able to um, really do well off the sport. And I think that that's a good indicator of where the sport's at at a whole. Like you have a lot of people who are drawing incomes, whether it's through equipment sales, whether it's through content pr production, whether it's through events, holding pay-per-views, whatever. There's a lot of opportunities uh, to make the sport, um, you know, be beneficial, you know, to your life. Right. So... Let's go back to King of the Table. King of the Table 3, obviously there was a few rule changes. Nothing to do with me, of course. Um, tell us your thoughts on that and obviously the rule changes in general. I know Levan possibly had a little issue. Um, well, people always, when, when I start to speak... The problem is, is I have a conflict of interest because, of course, I'm still an athlete and I'm still competing. So a lot of people think when I'm speaking, I have my best interests at heart, which to some degree I will. Of course, I don't I never want to give up too much ground. But uh, I also do believe that I've been in the sport a very long time and cared about it very deeply, cared about uh, the product and um, there are rule sets which I believe lend themselves to a better product. I'm, I'm very well aware that athletes will do everything that they can to win matches. And I also know that referees are put in very difficult positions um, based off the rule systems. And... What I don't like is when the rule systems are written in a way that uh, they will force referees to call fouls. Um, and what it does is it, it, it kind of makes it so that the referee has a lot of power. So specifically, things like the referee's grip. In my mind, the referee's grip is one of the most detrimental things to the sport of arm wrestling because, in my opinion, when you put those two things together, athletes always trying to get small advantages and, and referees having to call foul for any movement, um, it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. You see a lot of world championships being called on fouls. It ups the chances for either a call to not be made and then you look unprofessional or um, or or matches to end in fouls, which people don't really want. Nobody wants that. Athletes don't want it. Nobody wants it. And the same is said for uh, the slip rule, slips, uh, intentional slip, uh, the slip rule that WAF uses. Um it really, I mean, it's it's hard to, if you really want to look at most slips, normally somebody's at fault. And when you start to call fouls on every slip, again, it becomes very problematic. And couple that with the ref's grip, arm wrestling just, it, it loses some of its entertainment value for me. Um, 
so I had a when I saw that the rule change happened for King of the Table three, I was deeply concerned. Um, and also, when I when I talk about my own bias as an arm wrestler, uh, you know, for the past, you know, over a decade probably of of arm wrestled primarily in leagues like Arm Wars, World Arm Wrestling League, where you know they're they're operating off of set grips, running fouls, all slips go to straps, things like this. So most of my training for the past ten years has been based off of these rule systems. And, and I think that when you look at where the success has been in moving the sport forward uh, in terms of viewership, I think that we should, we should understand that we should, we should take, we should, we should follow the lead of the leagues, which have had the most success. I would, I would argue with anyone. WL has done it the best uh, in terms of uh, a product that people can get behind. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with the rules. They didn't get it perfect and it continues to evolve. And I think that, you know, King of the Table is, is the next evolution. And, uh, you know, I was, I was worried we were taking a step backwards. Uh, obviously I'm an athlete, conflict of interest. So my voice can only say so much. Uh, but yeah, King of the Table four, I, yeah uh yeah levon got a little bit pissed i don't know what was that even about like you were on the call right mark yeah. like i i was shocked at the whole thing i was really surprised when i heard his his anger and frustration because i thought we had it all worked out like i genuinely believed like when we entered in the negotiations in king of table after king of table two everything was understood everything was understood by all parties you know, he was asked repeatedly about the rules. Uh, I, I believe the only thing he said was he wanted elbow fouls to be called a bit closer, to which nobody had a problem with. But, and then to see it switch, I was like, oh man, I'm like, oh, what are we getting into here? What are we getting into? But it's it's fun to talk about. Now apparently he's gonna try and kill me. Oh or yeah, yeah, I don't know. That, that's what we'll Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I've seen it. Um... He's looking we for have some... him on on Wednesday, yeah. by the way. Yeah, so... he's, he's, he's coming on. But yeah, he was, he was talking about yeah. eating some old, mature Canadian meat and the bones. <laughs> no, right. But, so Weird. that on his channel, that was fine. But 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 he had an interview on Engen's channel, which is like three or four hours long. Oh, my God. You don't want to watch it. You'll die. But, <laughs> but during this, at some point, he's talking about how in Georgia – you will get killed for speaking the way I speak. Well, good thing you're not going go to Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> right? I'm like, okay, all right. All right, and he's talking about, you know, beating me up before oh. the match. And, oh. like, I'm like, wow. Well, like, he's just really so pissed. you know, um, we've got some... Uh, <laughs> we've got a sword in here. We've got a couple right. of maces, yeah. I'm pretty sure we'll, I don't need, know. we'll need a few I don't of know these if that's to take... Help with Levon. Yeah, we've got some maces there, yeah. so we can... He but a, it's, he it's a fun. It's fun. <laughs> he's pissed. Like he's very angry. Yeah. So this will be. How this will work? Uh, we were asking this uh, a couple of other people we had on, like boxers, MMA fighters, with like emotion and sort of hate for an opponent, and how that yeah. can sort of like impede the performance, the game plan, and stuff like that. Have you ever gone up in, into like a matchup with genuine dislike, or like I really want to just. Um, yeah. uh, embarrass you and kill you in this matchup or does that like affect you like do you think he's going to be affected by that because he's like if somebody's saying that you're under his skin and that's a good thing for yeah. you surely no i hope so i hope he really hates me and wants to kill me that's great for me <laughs> um and i'll keep on like if i i was shocked that it came so quickly like I feel like I didn't really even do anything and he was already there. So I'm like, just okay, this started. might be easier than I thought. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know who you're going to get for security, but probably get some bigger dudes. Because yeah. uh, if I got him that pissed off, you know, and we're at this great a distance, like I have a feeling that the press conference, he's probably going to take some swings at me. So whatever. Got a box, Whatever. I've got a box in front of the door. <laughs> Maybe we'll get you in the box. Right. You step back in. <laughs> so talk to us. 
Levan, the match, June 25th. How do you see it going down? Well, aside from the punching and, and uh, <laughs> if, if, you, if you get yeah. to the table. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not six feet under. It's, I have Levan so high. Okay. Um, he's been immeasurable, really. By the community, his uh, his strength is deviations above, you know, the highest levels. So he's hard to measure. All that I know is I am the best, by far, that I've ever been, and I know when I can say that. Uh, I mean, I know that I would defeat anyone that I've faced in my past with much greater ease than I had before. Um, I know that I am something very special right now. And I know that in two months from now, I will be refined. I will be polished. I will have a game plan. I will be extremely hard to beat. So um, I know that I've done everything that I can. I still know that Levon is just—he's just fantastic. I—I I see the weights he moves. I see his dimensions. I watch him arm wrestle. Um, he is Everest. He is. Uh, you know, people are like, "Oh, it's going to be just like Dennis." You know, I don't think it's going to be like that. Uh, it's interesting. People say to me, "What is Levon compared to Dennis?" I'm like, "Well, add almost another hundred pounds." Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is very different I, I'm really ready for this I'm really trained I'm healthy everything that you can do I've done so this is a I supremely will be a, I'll be a good challenge confident I'll be a good challenge Devin Lerat. yeah right. <laughs> very confident and that's scary no, for sure. Yeah, so I, I saw the confidence and, uh, you came in with Michael Todd, and and even the confidence on the table you had with him had him beat. Is that what you're going to bring well, with Levan? I am going there to fight him, absolutely. Like, uh, I I will fight him like no one has ever fought him before. Uh, I will fight him for every millimeter on that table. Um, I will stretch everything. Um, he should be ready. He needs to get bigger. He needs to get way bigger. He needs to curl more weight because what he's doing right now is not enough. He needs to be he legit. He better be 500 pounds when I show up. 500. I love that. I love that. And bring and, a couple of mates. And I want him to be curling like 400 pounds. Because... These things that he's doing now just they don't impress me anymore. I'm 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 done with it. I'm done with it. Can you can you spot any weaknesses in Levan's game? Well, I'm just so shocked that he got angry so quick. That's the first thing that really shocks me. Mm. Um on the arm wrestling table Hard to say. Hard to say. I don't really want to speak about it too much. No. Um because you know it's, it starts to get into what's going to happen on the day. Um, but you think emotions, perfect. emotions might get the better of them on the day then. You know, I don't really want to get into it too much, but um, but yes, I hope so. <laughs> I hope I hope, I hope they do because that's going to work well for me. I I love it. The thing is, is you know people think I get angry. It's I really enjoy it, you know. Um, when when the when the when the temperature goes up, when we start going back and forth, that's what I want to do. That's why that's why I'm involved in the sport. Like I love it. Like gives me, like it gives me an excuse to do it on the table and not get in trouble. You yeah, know? It's, it's, um, it's that conditioning of high stress situations. Like you're you're basically putting yourself back into combat, and that yeah, is your geez. thrill. That is your the adrenaline. Like, the adrenaline. That's the and I suppose you missed yeah, that. Yeah. So I mean, I'm and and I and it's been a while for me, Mark. Yeah, it's been a while. I'm, <laughs> know. you know, so I I need it, I need it, uh, and I'm looking forward to 
taking it right, just red line, just busting the seals with him. Like, I I hope, like, if I lose, I just want to have everything torn apart. Like, I want to give everything I can in that fight. And if I beat him, if I beat him, I will stretch my victory at every opportunity that I have. If I can beat him bigger and bigger, I will. I will. I'll if if I can, if I can, I will make him quit. I will I will make him do it. Um it's just if I'm given the opportunity. Um I shouldn't get too excited. <laughs> Getting us excited. <laughs> I know <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh. It's still it's still eight weeks away, and he's a he's a yeah. bad dude. Yeah, but if there's a man to take him to those dark waters, I think it's going to be you. Look, it's going to be an incredible matchup. I, I'm all in. It's... I am all in on this match. So, yeah, fun yeah. to see. What do you, what do you think about some of the stuff he's been saying on his last YouTube video? There's a few things he's been saying. Well, I think it's funny. Um, I think it's great. Like. I really hope he's super pissed. I hope I hope he's coming to fight me. Um, that'll work well for me. You know, the more he wants to fight me, oh, that's great. That's what I want to do. That's what it's all about. Uh, that's what this sport at the highest levels is. We get closer and closer to the real thing. Like, we're not... I don't think we'll actually kill each other. I don't think we will. Um, but the closer and closer we get to like super high level competition, the more the sport starts to melt away and we get to truer and truer combat, which it's just really appealing. And and I'm glad, you know, I'm glad he's taking it serious. I'm glad he's training hard. I'm glad that, uh, you know, I'm still in the picture, you know, I'm still like, I'm glad I still get to be on this stage. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. It's got, uh, the temperature's going to keep on getting turned up. We still got eight <laughs> yeah, weeks. Still eight got weeks time. Well, to be honest, it's undoubtedly one of the biggest matches in arm wrestling history. It's big. It's big. It's big. Where, we'll see. Where would you see if the skinny arm can what? get it done? <laughs> skinny arm. It's a, it's a pale arm. <laughs> Vitamin D lacked. <laughs> right, we kind of wrapping that up on that. We we have a the questions that we ask everyone that comes on this podcast about sort of mindset, mental health, how they approach sort of their career or what they do. How would you describe your mindset? How would you describe how sort of setbacks, failures, or anything you've overcome has sort of developed you and your mindset to where you are today? I would say that I am an extremely goal orientated person. Um, so for me, my life is broken into like pieces. Um, so this latest piece is the preparation for Levon. Um, and I do best when I, and when I say I do best, I, I feel that, you know, I, I'm kind of here on this planet, you know, to have fun and, but really I'm here to learn things and, uh, you know, to acquire some kind of knowledge, uh, which is, which is difficult in the strength game because, uh, it's a lot of art as well. Uh, and a lot of times the information that you're given, um, there's a lot of vagueness to it. And there's a lot of perception, which takes time to kind of sort through the weeds and get more accurate uh, uh, judgment on what is real and what is factual. And um, I feel like... Uh, you know, when I can get rid of a lot of things in my life, my experimentation becomes more pure. Um, I love to, I love to set goals, which I can really focus on. Uh, I've had a lot of fun these last couple of years with this 
giant pumpkin theory. It's really fascinating to me. Uh, it's quite a big chapter of my life. And I think that when all of it's kind of done, like maybe in like seven or eight years from now, um, that I will have really learned something which very few people have really committed to in sport. And that's the complete focus on such a small part of the body and what effect that ha has on your entire system. Um, that, that kind of thing, that's like my mindset is it's, so I'm trying to learn something. I'm trying to perform. Um, I'm trying to have fun. Um, uh, yeah. And I mean, that, that's pretty much where my head's at. When it comes to setbacks, uh, I think there's nothing wrong with taking on a challenge where you think you're going to fail. There's nothing wrong with that. Like victory is great, but we should remember that this is sport and, you know, failure is absolutely an option. It's totally an option. <laughs> and it's not yeah. a bad option in terms of if your goals are to have fun, to learn things, uh, you know, to to enjoy what you're doing. Uh, there's nothing wrong with seeking out things where you will most likely fail because the cost of failure, well, it might be, it's not, it's not often that big, but the reward of the learning, which you may get in the failure, uh, it might be worth it. So when it comes to setbacks, I, I get pissed off at myself when I fail at things that I should have succeeded at. I don't get too upset when, um, I get pissed off when I, I become too distracted. That's that's a problem of mine. Like uh, I won't be able to have quite enough discipline to uh, keep my eyes on the prize enough. You know, yeah. I'll start to wander and smell the roses a bit too much at times. But uh, hey, let's not get we can't we can't take ourselves too seriously, right? Yeah. yeah. Just on on that with like. I think I, I you've already kind of alluded to it, and I think we'll know the answer to this. On failure or where you've had kind of like losses in your career, how are you when you lose? Or how are you, like when you just said, if I lose when I, I don't think I should have or I didn't, like, if, how, well, how are, are you a bad person to be around family-wise? Do you like, or we've had people on you where it's immediately, a couple of hours later, accept that, move on, learn from it. And sort of like here's here's going. the thing. Um, you talk about failure. Uh, okay, failure on the arm wrestling table. Sorry, failure on the arm wrestling table is very easy to swallow. Okay, it's really it's really not a big deal. Like, um, don't get me wrong. I it pisses me off. I definitely get pissed off when I lose, but it's not a big deal. It's really not. I've had failures in my life that still upset me. Oh my God. Like, uh, arm wrestling is, is great. It's, but it's really, I mean, it's, it's a sport. It's, it's a testing ground. And I'm about as crazy about arm wrestling as anybody could possibly be. Okay. So it means a lot to me, but it doesn't mean as much as say failing your family or, you know, failing, failing someone in a friendship or if there's any number of things that can hurt you way more yeah, having that than losing an un perspective on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my mindset is, is affected by things that happen in like my more real life. Uh, yeah. What happens on the arm wrestling table, uh, losing is a part of victory. It's, you can't like they work together. Like you're, you're going to have to lose. You're going to have to, you're going to have to seek out losses and overcome. Um, and if, and if you're never losing, well, there's probably a problem. I mean, very, very few people uh, go their entire career and are not losing. It's, you know, some of my best memories are from losing some of my best ones. Like I love my match with Dennis. And that's about the most awesome loss that you can have. But when you, when I think about what did I get from a match, uh, a great victory when I beat, say, John or Pushkar, um, I didn't learn much. I just learned it was fun and it was great to win. 
but losing to Dennis, yeah, yeah, that was great. It was great. It's part of the journey. Yeah. At the end of the day, very interesting. Part of the journey in any aspect of life, I think. And as long as we all learn, yeah, you got to seek out. You got to seek out those failure points. You have to. If you you need to seek them out, embrace them, digest them, let your body accept yeah. that you were insufficient and overcome it overcome it um and if you if you put yourself on a path that's more safe you're not going to get the growth you're not it'll be nice to win but you have to you have to do a little bit of I, i'd say the best matches the best matches that you can look for are the ones where they're just higher than you just a little bit so it's a nice progressive step by going way too high you might you might just get obliterated and it's it's you'll probably learn something but i think the really sweet spot is just a little bit higher than you so you have the potential to overcome something surprise yourself and learn in the moment um i like a match uh i had in 2000 and like five or six with ron bath he was like number three in North America at the time. And I was, you know, I wasn't quite that. And I actually, I won that match, but I feel like it was so close, such a close, close match. These are the matches you should seek out. The ones that you don't know if you can win or lose. These are great. Yeah. That, that sort of brings me on to uh, Larry. Would you have yeah. any words of advice for Larry? Obviously he's, he's went through the past few King of the Tables He's gathered up these losses. Um, he's just yeah. competed in the tournament. Um, he won a few matches. I think Ryan Bowen yeah. beat him. Like, yeah. Would you have any sort of words of advice if anyone's in the same position as Larry or been in that situation? Like, what what would you suggest is the best best way to to look uh, at this? Yeah, you know, I I'm a big fan of Larry. I when I have advice for Larry, I'll normally send him a message. Yeah. Um. I think he's doing great. I think that he's in a very unique position where he has the ability to get tutelage from the absolute best in the sport. And, and right away, everyone is trying to beat him, you know, everybody. Uh, when really, I mean, if he was, if he didn't have his following and he was just a guy coming into the sport, it would, it would be very different for him. Um, He's got to get out there. He's doing everything right. Really, he is. I, I think that, you know, by him going out, uh, you know, I think what he should really start to think about doing is teaching. I think that that would be really good for Larry um, because Larry's gotten to arm wrestle with a lot of great people. Um, and I think that sometimes Larry thinks that Look, I hate speaking for other people like like I know what Larry thinks, but I do believe that there's a lot to be learned by teaching. 100%. Because when you start to show people how to arm wrestle, uh, you need to really know it yourself. Like, and it will force you to become much more competent technically. Um, you know, when you explain something and and you're going to start to be like, okay, well, what if they ask me this? And okay, so what's the answer there? I think if Larry starts to work with more junior people as part of his regular training, holding people, working defense, uh, as well as doing what he's doing already now, I think that his competence and his comfort and um, his technique, I think, will continue to to rise much quicker. But I think he's doing everything great. Yeah, big fan of Larry. Right, so that brings us on to the last question. Right. What does the word strong mean to you, Devin? Uh, well, I guess strong can mean a lot of things. I mean, uh, it's, a, it's a great adjective, isn't it? Um, but what does it mean to you, like your initial reaction to that? What would you, like you said when you were a kid, it meant being Arnie with a, a dolly bird on your shoulder. What does it mean yeah. to you now, 47 years yeah. of experience what does it mean uh, well i think that the first thing that comes to mind is physical strength that's the first thing because 
that's what really what I'm focused on so much. Uh, I recognize that strength has got way more aspects than just the physical strength. And the physical strength is, is quite a base expression of what being strong is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, stre- strength is, uh, I think, strong comes from a vision. And that vision becomes manifested in the body through discipline. Um, and just a, just a holding on to that vision and that dream of what you're trying to become is a performance. Uh, uh, it's hard to say why, but, you know, strong is, uh, well, it helps with your av- ability to win, doesn't it? Yeah. And winning's great. Um, <laughs> I like that, though, st- like the vision of it. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Because then the, yeah. the, the, the setbacks, the uh, fails, everything about it, you stick to that vision, which is the strength, and that'll get you back through it. It's, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. I think that a lot of strength athletes have a vision of what they want to become. Uh, you know, whether you're in strongman, whether you're in powerlifting, a fighter, arm wrestler, you'll have a vision of what it is you're trying to achieve. And, uh, you know, and it will take, it'll take discipline and then, you know, you'll manifest it in your body and you will become strong. Brilliant. Manifesting strength. I like it. I like that a lot. Right. Mark's favorite question. Go on. Fire away. Yeah. Speaking of visions. What would Devin Larat do to change the world if he could? Make it a better place. Oh, my God. Don't, we can't talk about pancakes. Uh, yeah, pancakes for everyone. <laughs> maple syrup. You could turn on the tap and maple syrup would come That's out. That's not a bad idea, is yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that it's very hard uh, to I think it's hard as well. It's hard as well. Like you, you, You're probably going to think similar to, to me. Having been in different climates, worlds, situations, like there really is no hope. But <laughs> we can only we can only fathom a vision. All right, if if you could pick pick something to have an impact on in this world to make it a better yeah. place, I think we need to yeah. narrow the question. Yeah, let, for people, let's make it easier. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Mark, I like what you said, and I understand that a lot of times when you try and change the world. Uh, you create another completely crazy scenario that you didn't yeah. envision. You know, you try something to do something good and maybe it ends up becoming maybe something not good. It's hard yeah. to say. So I think that maybe the best thing that we could possibly do is just to have more acceptance. How about that? Yeah. Just yeah. accept the world more the way it is and, you know, not necessarily uh, stress about the situation but just optimize the future yeah you know um acceptance is a big thing i don't know joe what do you think (laughs) (laughs) this is way outside this is not my specialty changing the world and making it a better place man you're talking to the guy who makes the world a way way crazier place on the regular i feel like we're gonna see a separate video of yours on this (laughs) like whoa Man, like, make the world a better place. How about we start burning everything down? Will that make the world a better right, place? Just stop at acceptance. We'll take that one. Just stop there. Like, you're talking to the wrong guy to make the world a better place. Uh, that's why I ask Brilliant. it as well. Because yeah. I don't you, have you, an answer. You, you. No. And li- and the thing is, is, I don't think that you, you need to make the world a better no, place. No. I think that that might be just a completely flawed strategy to begin with. No. Like, I, I think how about... I think it all comes down to acting locally and influencing the people around you and being the best person you can be and whatever follows with the dominoes after that yeah is accepting what happens yeah yeah you're not it's it's very hard to uh do anything conclusive i think the best thing to do is do things that make you feel good uh do things that you're happy with move to transparency whenever possible um yeah do unto others as you would have them do unto you and eat pancakes oh my god 
Maple syrup <laughs> when you turn the tap. Probably <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just saying thank you for uh, for coming on and sort of oh, giving well, thank you. insight into into everything we've talked about and uh, getting us hyped and excited for eight weeks' time for the matchup. And hopefully, as Mark said, we'll get you in here the week of the uh, of the match and actually get you face to face. Yeah, maybe we'll get you face to face with Levan as well. With weapons on the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Listen, I want if 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 there's gonna be a fight between us, I definitely want a gun. I mean <laughs> check this mace out. It's over here. It's yeah. Over yeah. I don't wanna I don't want that guy punching me in the face. <laughs> yeah. We've got up here we go. <laughs> here we go. Mace is the yeah. we can use. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, we shouldn't, ad- we shouldn't really advertise. We shouldn't advertise. These these are trophies, by uh, the way. Yeah, trophies. These are trophies. Right. Thank you very much once again. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you enjoyed that, give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Our socials are down below. Give Devin a follow. Check out some of his crazy content as it's, uh, it's well worth it. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. Cheers, Devin. Thanks, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.